Hello, I'm David Eagle, and welcome to the final episode of The Eagle is Stranded, gone in 60 minutes, because in 60 minutes' time, The Eagle is Stranded will have finished. 61 days ago, Britain was instructed to stay at home. For someone who's a full-time travelling musician and comedian, this suddenly meant that I had a whole lot of time on my hands that I didn't expect to have. Therefore, naturally, I decided to do a daily podcast. This is the 60th day, and we bid The Eagle is Stranded farewell by reflecting on some of my personal favourite moments from the series. There's so much that we could have put in that we haven't put in, including all of the various phone guests that we've interviewed, but what you're about to hear are just some of the moments that stuck out for me. You will hear from me, David Eagle, of course, and also frequently from my fiance Ellie. I'll be back at the end just to say a quick goodbye, but here is a look back at the last two months of podcasts with a series of clips presented uninterrupted and sequentially, starting with this one from the very first episode. Well, we found an app called the Radio Garden. It's Google Earth, but when you point at something on the Google Earth map, it will play a radio station from that part of the world. And so we've had great fun finding different radio stations and listening to them. We were listening to some radio stations in New Zealand, and the favorite one that I came across was a one called Sleep Radio, a radio station designed to help you get to sleep. Essentially, it plays new age music. We tuned into this radio station, and the first thing that it did, this voice came on saying, well, before we let you go to sleep, download our app. So go to our website or go to the app store now on your phone, get it up and download our app. So then you think, okay, well that's a bit inconvenient. You're trying to get to sleep. Now it's telling you you should be doing something else, you know. And then you think, right, it's surely going to get to the, the music now, isn't it? And then it says, also, you might want to think about this. This station is funded by my wife and I, and also with the kind donations of a few people. We need your money. So why not go to the website and donate? And I'm thinking, bloody hell, it's been talking now for over a minute. And we still haven't managed to get to the virtual station yet. And then it says, and finally, because I'm thinking, now surely it's going to let, you know, let us sleep. And he goes, and finally, how about while you're there, tell your friends on Facebook, share it, put a post on there. And also, why not write us as well? You can write us on the App Store, you can write us on the website. If we did everything you were asking us to do, we'd be awake for another two hours. And then finally it says, now finally, Enjoy Sleep Radio. And then it finally gets to some bland new age music, just like this panpipe drone. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it can't be the most expensive radio station to fund. Oi. Oi, you. Oi. Sorry, did I wake you? Were you having a nice sleep? Well, you know who you can thank for that, don't you? Us. Here at Sleep Radio. I hope you were having a nice sleep, which is more than can be said for us. Me and my wife, we've hardly slept a wink for days. And you know why? Because we're lying awake, worried about how we're going to pay the mortgage, worried about the bills, worried about how we're going to feed the kids. Because when we set up this radio station, we thought that people might want to show their appreciation by chucking a bit of money our way. But let me tell you something. Out of everyone who listens to Sleep Radio, only 2% of people actually bother to donate. And to be honest, the amount that those people do donate is bloody pittance. Some of you, the amount you give us, it's a bloody insult. Quite frankly, it's a bloody insult. I'm so angry I'm losing my accent. Seriously, I don't know how you guys sleep at night. 
Well, actually, I do. By listening to Sleep Radio. Completely for free, you bastards. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to the sound of the didgeridoo for the last three hours. But us broadcasting that didgeridoo to you didn't come cheap, you know. We've got to pay for the studio. We've got to pay for the equipment. We've got to pay for the, the transmission system. Now, all I'm asking is for you to go to the website and just give us a little money, for God's sake. Then you can go to sleep. Just come on. I know you're awake. I'm looking at the website now. Look, unless I get $300 in the kitty, I'm not letting you bastards go back to sleep. In fact, have a load of this, you bastards. Yeah, how do you like that? That's right. Come on, wakey, wakey. Put some money in the fucking kitty. Put some money in the kitty. Come on, you bastards. And then maybe we can all have a bloody good night's sleep. I told my wife we should have set up a bloody Christian channel. But she said, oh, no, we don't believe in Jesus. I said, it doesn't matter. We'd get a lot more money than playing the didgeridoo, that ungrateful, insomnia-ridden bastards. You join me right now in my bedroom. I'm wearing just some trousers, some boxer shorts and socks. My top is off. We're not very happy with this, David. You advertised that you would be naked. Well, fear not. I will be naked. I also advertised that I would be in the bath. I will be in the bath. But right now, we're just at the preliminary stages of getting the hair clippers sorted because obviously with the coronavirus all hairdressers have ceased operation so it means my fiance somewhat reluctantly she is not a seasoned hairdresser but she has agreed to cut my hair we join my fiance ellie in the bathroom hello so is this the first time ellie that you have cut someone else's hair no when i was little i had professional training when i was about four because i had a Play-Doh hairdressing set. This so you had some much... practice, some rehearsal? Yeah. Some rehearsal, <laughs> should I say? <laughs> I've uh, cut my own fringe before, but I've never used clippers. Okay. How are you feeling? Not confident. That's not the first time I've heard her say that when I've taken off my trousers, which I'm doing <laughs> right now. This is the moment you've been waiting for, people. The trousers are coming off. Coming off. <laughs> oh, still on one leg there. <laughs> Nearly fell over. The socks have come off. off. There we go. And finally... The pants. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we are. I'm now stepping into the bath, fully naked. Oh, God. It's cold. <laughs> there we are. I'm sitting down in the bath. Oh, hang on. Yeah. We should do a photo, a photo for the... Uh, I've took my thing between my legs. All right, just for the photo. Say cheese indeed. My goodness. Sausage. <laughs> Right. Yeah, ah, very good. Okay, uh, let's angle yeah. it to save it. Oh, angle what? The camera. <laughs> okay, there we are, we're taking a photo. So there we are, the action shot, and now, okay. Oh, oh God. The clippers are on. She started from my back of my head and working her way up. And I can feel the first drops of hair cascading down my neck into the bath. I think I've accidentally given you a slight undercut. Ah, oh, Ellie, she's already done an undercut. Well, grab these towels. Yeah. Oh, Ben's coming in as I have my legs dangled over. Right, if I'm doing the top with the clippers, do I just which way do I go? You could go to six and do the top six and just see okay. how that works. And then you could always go lower if you need to, couldn't yeah. you? Ah, uh, yes. I've said that to her before. <laughs> I would just go from the front. Okay. Well, I've said that to her before then. as well. Shut up, David. <laughs> I like a nice cup of tea in the morning. For to start the day, you see. And an up 
This is a nice cup of tea by the singer and actress Billy Hale from the 1920s, 30s and 40s. She was prevalent and she sings in this song about the joys of tea. But I like the fact in this song she really goes to town in saying all the things that she'll never do. She's never going to go flying. She's never going to travel the world. Because all she needs in life is a cup of tea. You can talk about your science and your airships in the sky. I can do without the wireless and you'll never see me fly. It's a simple life that she leads. She gets a bit carried away with how much she likes tea. Maybe it's the caffeine talking, but by the end of it, she says, oh, I don't even care about women's rights, to be honest, and liberties and that kind of thing. I don't care who gets me vote as long as they don't take away me tea. You can talk about your liberties. They talk of women's rights. I don't want to make no speeches, but the one that does is science. And anyone can have me vote and chuck it in the sea. But golly, there'd be trouble if they try to touch me tea. I would say that's a bit overly dogmatic about tea, to be honest, that she's willing to throw away women's liberties for a cup of tea. I would say that's an addiction. She recorded this in the 30s, just on the precipice of the Second World War. And obviously singers like her, you know, they're rolled out to keep their troop spirits up. Originally she said, well, will there be tea? He said, well, you're doing this for your country, so I'm not bothered. I, I, if there's no tea, then quite frankly, I'm, I'm not going out there. So they had to put tea on. But even then, she wasn't particularly keen about singing for the British lads. She, you know, she'd go out there, she'd maybe do one song half-heartedly, and then she'd be back back to the little kitchenette area that they'd got for her, you know, having a cup of tea. And like, this is absolutely ridiculous. You know, she's hardly doing any singing. It's, it's unbelievably expensive, the amount of money that it's cost us to get her over here, to sing to the troops. You know, it's costing us an absolute fortune in tea. And someone had the bright spark. If you want to get Vinnie Hale involved, if you want to get her against Hitler and singing for the lads, tell her that Hitler... There'll be no more cups of tea when Hitler gets in. We'll be drinking sauerkraut, boiled liquidized sauerkraut. And when she heard this, she was absolutely horrified. Stormed out of the kitchenette, a cup of tea held high. And she gave them a 90 minute rousing performance that really elevated the spirits of the troops. So there you go. A little bit of inside information for you there. But I did a bit of research about Binny Hill. Well, I mean, at first I went on Wikipedia and that kind of thing. But I've learned now to dig deeper. And if you really want to get the inside scoop on things, you've got to go to the dark web. If you want to get the inside scoop, if you want to get the truth away from the mainstream media nonsense that we're spoon fed with, then you've got to get yourself on the dark web. And I found out something quite startling about Binnie Hale. And let's just say her love for tea went way too far. And in the late 1940s, she recorded a song that was never released. It was never released because it was unfinished, but it wouldn't have been released anyway, because quite frankly, the material is far too shocking. It's shocking for me now listening to this in 2020, but imagine how shocking this would have been for people listening in the 40s. And the song is not commercially available anywhere but there is a copy on the dark web and in the song she sings about how much she loves tea and she's really at this point addicted to tea you're going to hear in the recording her voice sounds a little bit different to what you've just heard in the previous recording a lot of people say that's because of the amount of tea that she drank she drank so much tea that it just did something strange to her voice so you'll notice that the timbre of her voice is a little different but it's it's, it's clearly her you'll you'll hear that um <laughs> Basically, the, the premise of the song is, I would rather anything happen, no matter how gruesome or horrible to anyone, I'd rather that happen than for me to go without my cup of tea. But she really does go too far. I mean, this is quite graphic, and I'm only going to play the first verse, so just imagine what the other verses that I'm not going to play are like. But this is a little bit of the unreleased song, and you'll hear very shortly as well why the song was never finished, because she goes in a bit of a tantrum. But you'll, you'll hear that in a second. 
afternoon I had a chat and a cup of tea with me Auntie Pat. I don't care much for her company, but she makes a lovely cup of tea. She said to me, oh dear Benny, I think that you're obsessed, frankly. Is there anything more important to you than having a brew? I said, I'll tell you true, I'd rather me husband die at sea and go without me cup of tea. I'd rather a dog devoured you than go without me steaming brew. I'd rather lose my family have them die and scream in agony because nothing's more important to me than tea singing that verse has really made me parched give us a solo someone will you have a cup of tea And then she just stops in the middle of a song, asks someone to play a solo while she has a cup of tea. She just slurps the tea in the microphone. She's completely addicted to tea. She's willing to throw everything away. She'd rather her husband die at sea than live without a cup of tea. She'd rather lose her family, have them die in screaming agony, than go without a cup of tea. There were actually six instrumentalists at the start of the song. Two of them had walked out by this point. She hadn't noticed because she's too busy drinking a cup of tea. She sings a second verse, which is even more shocking than that one. I'm not going to play that, but what I'm going to play is what happens next and when she suggests for the third time that there's another solo and she has a third cup of tea the producer just steps in i got some other verse down another solo please while i have another cup of tea thank you i'm sorry i'm sorry what the devil's going on binny what love can you please not have a cup of tea after every single verse the blasted song's only meant to be three minutes long we've had three solos now oh i'm sorry have you got a problem with me having a cup of tea three cups of tea in one song i've never known anything like it i'm sorry if i can't have my cup of tea then i'm walking binny goodbye and that's where the song ends. Unfortunately, someone managed to rescue that from some vault somewhere, some archive. I've put it on the dark web. But I wanted to share that with you because I, mean, I just think it's startling. You just don't expect that, do you, from your, your singers and actresses in the 1940s? You just do not expect that kind of thing. Well, I think we're doing all right, aren't we? This is day eight now of our lockdown situation. But I think we're doing all right. We have, haven't really had an argument. We've not really had a fight. We've never had a fight. We're, actually, we should maybe tell the listeners we had an argument over when the song Ooh Ah Just A Little Bit oh, from yeah, Gina G. Really an argu- yeah. yeah, but I'm talking about, that's what I'm saying. Right. We haven't really had an argument. Yeah. The closest we've got to an argument. This? Well, yeah, this is the <laughs> argument when we had an argument. And it was a slightly raised voice situation. And I was convinced that I knew when it was. And you were convinced you knew when it was. Well, I'd Googled. Whereas I get my information from the dark web, you see. So yeah. we have different sources here. She's still it's the kind of square who gets her information from Google. So go on. Wikipedia told me the American release date. Right. Which was later than the UK one. So I was going by the UK one as I live in the UK. Paul Temple is a radio detective. It's a BBC radio series. And we've talked before. He has a catchphrase by Timothy, uh, which he uses for the most innocuous things. If, if he's just sort of seen someone coincidentally, it's like, oh, by Timothy, we were just talking about you. But he'll also use it for if someone's had their head blown off with a gun. By Timothy's shot his head clean off. Or if someone's got a gun to Paul's head. By Timothy, he's got a gun. By Timothy, so it is. By Timothy, so I am. By Timothy, he's in a hurry. By Timothy, just look at that suitcase. <laughs> By Timothy. What happened? What was it? I'll give you three guesses. What do you mean? It was a bullet. Now's not the time for a parlour game, Paul. Don't you know what it was? No? I'll give you three guesses. So he's very calm and collected. But the favourite bit of this particular series, Paul and his wife and someone else were in a car. Mavis, the person who was doing the driving, she said, oh, I do apologise, Steve, in the back there. You haven't really got much room. It's quite a mess in the car. And Steve said, oh, it's okay. I've made myself comfortable. I've got my feet resting on your hat box, if that's all right. And she said, the hat box? 
I haven't got a hat box and they have some discussion about this. Oh, yes you do. There's a there's a case here. No, no, I haven't got a... I don't know what that is. And meanwhile you're thinking, well, it's clearly it's going to be... Someone's planted something there. It's going to be a bomb, isn't it? And then Paul goes, hang on a second, pull over. And she says, no, no, I haven't got a pullover either. And I wouldn't put it in a hat box case. No, she doesn't say that. But I mean, that would be the kind of thing that would happen on Paul Temple. While there's clearly a bomb that someone's planted in the car. No, no, I don't have a pullover. No, when I say pullover, I mean pull, pullover, Mavis. So she pulls over, the car breaks. Well, you're going to hear it anyway. I'm, I don't need to quote it verbatim because I'm going to play the clip now. Are you all right at the back, Mrs Temple? Yes, thanks. I'm afraid there isn't a lot of room. That's all right. But I keep putting my feet on your hat box. I hope it won't mark. My hat box? Hmm. Is there a hat box at the back? There's a small one. It's half under your seat. That's funny. I, I don't remember. Wait a minute. Where is it, Steve? There it is. Hmm? It's a small brown case with a leather buckle. <laughs> well, I don't know how it got there. It's not mine. Pull up. But we're just going over the bridge. Surely Do as I say. Pull up. Oh, what are you going to do? Mind your feet, Steve. Let me get the case. Here you are. Have you seen this before? No, I haven't. It doesn't look like a hat box. It doesn't sound like a hat box either. Oh, Paul, what are you going to do? I'm going to throw it into the river. I mean, surely this is wasting valuable time. Surely he doesn't know when the bomb's going to go off. He's just holding it in his hands. Are you sure you don't know what this is? No, no. What are you going to do, Paul? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. No, don't tell them. Just throw it. If you think it's a bomb... Now, I just want you to be mindful of the fact that they've just been in a car. Steve has had her foot resting on this. If she hadn't mentioned the fact that this case was there, because she just assumed it was a hat box, then essentially they would all be dead now. It is an absolute fluke that they're not dead. So you would have thought if something like that happened, there'd be tears, they'd be like, this is, oh, this is unbelievable. But no, this is the reaction when the bomb explodes and they're saved from what would have been certain death. Thank heavens Paul realised what it was. You're a very lucky woman, Mrs. Russell. <laughs> You'll have an extra egg for breakfast tomorrow. Well done, Paul. He says, you're a very lucky woman, Miss Russell. But he's a very lucky man, and his wife's a very lucky as well. Because surely they would die as well. It wouldn't just be her that dies. Paul's wife is out of feet on this. They're completely unfazed. Well, thank you for the lift. Thank you. <laughs> You'd never think anything had happened two minutes after the event. Well, thank you for the lift. Thank you. A pleasure. Have you any idea why it was planted there? Oh, I can't imagine. It wasn't exactly a friendly gesture, was it? That rather depends on your friends. Well, not really. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. Yesterday, we put a photograph, because the podcaster is called Gina G and Genetically Modified Sheep, but Ellie, for the image for that particular episode of The Eagle is Stranded, put a picture of Gina G next to a painting of a sheep on Twitter. I tagged Gina G in it. I mentioned her. Well, she was Gina G official. I made sure it was the official one. It wasn't one of the, uh, the counterfeit Gina G's out there. You can imagine there's a lot of people wanting to pretend that they're Gina G. I liked the idea of maybe a publicist or a legal team or something like that listening to the Eagle of Stranded episode to find out what was said. And I especially like the idea that Gina G wasn't even mentioned until over five minutes into it. So that they would have had to have listened to a discussion about Paddington Bear, us having a walk through rural Sheffield, and then just sort of going, what the bloody hell is going on here? 
here, but we, we must listen. We have a duty to Gina G to listen. But unfortunately, I didn't get anything back from Gina G or any of her company. But we'll, we, we, we can but wait. I will let you know. There's so much to look forward to. Will we hear back from Gina G or someone related to Gina G? Uh, I was trying to think of who might be related to Gina G. I was trying to think of other Gs. Mel B from the Spice Girls with Mel G for a bit. So maybe she's related to Gina G. Maybe. My goodness. Maybe. Who's she? Uh. Is she Mel B's sister? Things are really picking up a pace. I've been attempting to get in contact with Gina G, and at one point in yesterday's The Eagle is Stranded, I said, relating to Gina G, meaning the subject of Gina G. But then I thought, maybe we could find a relative of Gina G. Well, my friends, I've got news regarding that. Well, it's time for an exciting new feature, and I think it's going to be a mainstay on The Eagle is Stranded. It's time for the Gina G news, which will occur after the Gina G pips. It's Gina G o'clock, and time for the Gina G News. Welcome to the Gina G News. It's Gina G o'clock. I'm David Eagle. David Eagle attempts to contact Gina G. And has David Eagle's Twitter account unearthed a relative of Gina G's? The epic audio blog project The Eagle is Stranded, which has covered the subject of Gina G for the last two days, is seeking to attempt to contact Gina G or someone involved with Gina G. In tweets relating to Gina G-based Eagle is Stranded episodes, David Eagle has at mentioned the Twitter account Gina G Official. He is yet to hear anything back. Of course, as soon as he does, you will hear about it first, here on the Gina G News. In other Gina G news, the Eagle is Stranded has also been attempting to locate a relative of Gina G. And yesterday, David Eagle noticed that his tweets about the Eagle is Stranded were being liked and or retweeted by someone called Davy G. David Eagle then tweeted Davy G to ask, are you a relative of Gina G? Davy G responded, no. We will of course keep you updated with any Gina G relative news here exclusively on the Gina G News. If you've got any information regarding Gina G, perhaps you saw her play live in the 90s, or perhaps you know of her whereabouts right now. How is she coping with corona? I mean, I'd feel really bad <laughs> if she's got the coronavirus. <laughs> Sorry, very unprofessional of me laughing in the studio. This is serious Gina G-related news. Please do get in contact with the Gina G News. This is the Gina G News. We'll give you more as and when we get it. If that means bonus podcasts at 2 a.m., then so be it. We will not stop to bring you the Gina G News first and exclusive to the Gina G News. more Gina G news in the fullness of time. Today we are about to do yoga. It's the yoga special and if you've uh, read the title of this particular Eagle is Stranded episode you will know it is the flatulence relieving yoga special today. We were looking for yoga to be doing. We thought it might be a nice way to unwind of an evening and we came across this <coughs> website which seemed rather fascinating. <laughs> it was flatulence relieving yoga poses. I thought we could try these flatulence 
relieving yoga pauses, I will be citing whether I fart or not. I should explain that I have prepared for this, increasing the likelihood of farts by consuming, as of 10 minutes ago, a meal consisting of butter beans and cauliflower rice. Two rather potent fart inducers. So, position one. The position relaxes the hips and lower back and it may help move gas through the bowels. Start by kneeling on all fours. Okay, I have assumed the position. I can confirm that his bottom is facing towards me. From there, push the bum back to sit on the heels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A success. <laughs> we haven't even completed the pose. Oh. <laughs> push the bum back to sit on the heels. Stretch your arms out in front of your body, touching the mat or the carpet. <laughs> As they do in all sports, and I understand that with the football season and other sporting occasions being postponed and cancelled, that this maybe is what people will be listening to for entertainment. I feel it is therefore incumbent upon me to follow the strictures of sport and maybe to do a slow motion action replay of those farts. I do apologise, there will be laughter. Uh, from Ellie, who for some reason seems to think this is funny. I don't know why. Uh, this is a serious research exercise. Sorry. Oh, here is the slow motion action replay. <laughs> now, live from the Eagle is Stranded headquarters, the official Gina G News. I'm just reading a bit of the Wikipedia article now on Gina G. She announced in 2012 that she was about to release a new song, Set the Night on Fire. However, this song never saw the light of day. Since then, not a peep has been heard from her. We will do our best to find this new unreleased Gina G single. We'll have more Gina G news when we get it. This is David Eagle reporting for the Gina G News. In other news, I have heard... In other news? How can you just glibly flit to another subject? I'm sorry, but this is a multifaceted podcast. It's now 1.30 in the afternoon, and this is the sound of our neighbourhood. But 12 hours ago, at 1.30 this morning, this was the sound of our neighbourhood. <laughs> So a couple of neighbours, a few doors down, not exactly sure where, I don't think I've met these particular neighbours, I think there might be some people who recently moved in, and after an hour I thought, I've got to go and record this, I'm clearly not going to get to sleep, so if I record it there might be some entertainment value in it. So I stood in the bathroom with the window open, my arm in the air with the recorder pointed out the window, and as you can hear, it sounds like they're right there. I'm never going to dance again, she sings. I think we'd all rather you'd never sing again. And I think I got the recorder on just in time, because about a minute into recording, someone finally came out of their house to have a word about the noise. Sorry. 
And I can't hear exactly what she says because she hasn't got a microphone with her. She hadn't thought to bring her own amplification. But I think what she's essentially saying is they can hear it from streets away and she's come to have a word because the noise keeps waking a baby up. So you now maybe think that a reasonable person would accept this and go, oh, bloody hell, you know, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what I was thinking. In fairness, she does apologise. Sorry. Which we all can hear because she shouts her apology over the microphone. And you know the lady's very nice about it. She says, it's all right, but if you can turn it off now. And she returns back and immediately the woman, rather than turning the music off, decides to turn the music up and dedicate the next song to the lady who's just come over to ask them to turn it down. And now it's turned up so loud that there's feedback coming from it. And I don't know if she's deliberately now putting the microphone towards the speaker to make more noise. That on top of the fact that she keeps shouting, this one's for you. And she's clearly drank so much that any sense of reasoning has gone out of the window. And now she's claiming that she doesn't know who she is, as in her neighbour. Well, I assume she means that, unless she's having an existential crisis and she's referring to herself. I don't know where that logic comes from anyway. I don't know who she is, therefore I don't care. Well, she's clearly a neighbour. She clearly lives near where you live and she can hear the fact that you're screaming George Michael. Toying with the idea of maybe, because they probably won't remember this in the morning, I'm toying with the idea of we could set some speakers up outside their house. They probably wouldn't be awake at nine o'clock in the morning, so everyone else would be awake at nine o'clock in the morning. We can play back their performance from the night to their hungover selves in the morning. And therefore literally be giving them a taste of their own medicine. But fear not, because it's time for some poetic justice now. She's obviously not bothered who this woman is, and she's not bothered that she's disrupted the sleep of an entire neighbourhood and at least one person's baby, but she's too proud to back down. So she turns the music up, shouts this is for you, and plays deafening feedback and sings even louder. However, you know what they say about pride? It comes before a fall. And I am pleased to announce that a few seconds later, the following occurs. <laughs> Let's hear that bit of poetic justice once again. I think I've fallen down. Yeah, I think you probably have. I think the entire neighbourhood had worked out that you'd fallen. I think she got there about 15 seconds after everyone else. Anyway, I'm pleased to report that the fall seemed to somewhat curtail the party. Unfortunately, I'm pleased to announce that it went relatively quiet after that. 
I received the following email earlier today, and it says this. Hello, David. I am a massive fan of David Eagle, the David Eagle podcast, and the Eagle is Stranded series. I was somewhat taken aback when I first heard that you had become the official resource for Gina G News, and I knew I must get in touch. It has taken me over two weeks to pluck up the courage, but after listening to the Gina G News last Thursday, I knew that something must be done. In 2012, I was working as a studio technician in the studio where Gina G was recording her unreleased single, Set the Night on Fire. In your Gina G News Bulletin last Thursday, you mentioned that Gina G had posted on social media that her new song, Set the Night on Fire, was due for release in 2012. However, the song never saw the light of day, and soon after, Gina G disappeared from the public eye. I do know that the record label were not happy the new direction Gina G was taking her music. Gina G's people announced that the song was called Set the Night on Fire, spelt night as in night and day. This was not the case. The song was called Set the Night on Fire as in Knights of the Round Table. It was, in fact, all about the conflagration of medieval cavalrymen. It was quite a brutal, bloody song, a complete departure from Gina G, whose previous songs covered standard pop subjects such as love, sex and partying. Fortunately, when I realised that the record label were not going to release this song and that the world would never hear it, I had the foresight to copy the song onto a memory stick, which I still have in my possession. This, I believe, is now the only extant version of Gina G's unreleased song in the world. I understand that this is a lot of responsibility for one man to have on his shoulders. Therefore, I have not included the song in this email. If you are willing and ready to out this never-to-be-released song to the world, then please get in touch and I will send this song to you to be played exclusively on the David Eagle podcast. Well, thank you. It is a big responsibility. Who am I to say no, no, no? This is too big a fish for me to fry. How can I claim to be the official resource for Gina G News if I shirk my responsibility? If I'm cowed by the enormity of this, by God, I'll do it. I'm not going to be cowed by these labels. When it comes to Gina G, no one's going to tell me what I can and can't do. So if any legal people want to start a fight, bring it on. But I'm ready for this fight. Next week on the Gina G News, the unreleased song from Gina G that the world thought it would never hear, embargoed by Gina G's record label. There's the pigeon over there, wood pigeon. <laughs> always ends on the, yeah, always ends on that offbeat. Always then. And I wonder if, could the pigeon, could it do an extra one? Could it go and finish it off? If it did, would it be ostracized by the other pigeons? Or maybe they'd go, my God, this pigeon's a maverick. Or if it changed the pitch of one of them. Really started riffing on it. I wonder whether a pigeon can change the notes and the sound of their sequence, depending on how they're feeling to demonstrate emotion. So if a pigeon was angry, would it go? Or it could do like a, if it wants to kind of seduce another pigeon, maybe it'll do a kind of. I feel quite uncomfortable with you doing a pigeon seduction right in my face. Oh, oh, there we are. <laughs> For my next trick, that was my impression of a horny pigeon. Okay.
BBC Radio 1, John Peel, and now in session, Horny Pigeon. I have had stuck in my head a song by the Australian country singer Frank Ifield. It's a song called She Taught Me to Yodel, and the song just, for some reason, it came into my head of the morning, and I just cannot get it out of my head now. Yeah. been attempting myself to sing along and I've been attempting to sort of replicate the yodeling and I've uh, been going around the house yodeling. Let me tell you, when you're in a lockdown situation and you're spending a lot of time with people, you need to bring joy into their lives and I think it really helps if you're walking around the house repeatedly, incessantly yodeling. You've Red. spent two days yodeling. Yeah. <laughs> two days yodeling. I woke up with the yodeling in my head because he keeps singing it. So, there you are. Okay, then, Irene, would you like to try to yodel? Actually, that's not bad, that last one, mate. Frank Well, that's what we were talking about on the podcast yesterday. Frank Highfield. She taught me to yodel, yodel, oh, So I've been... <laughs> the subject of yodelling continues today. You'll be pleased to hear. Got a message from Carl. Disappointed that you concentrated solely on country music yodelling. We've got plenty of time, Carl. We're here for at least another three weeks. We'll get to all subgenres of yodelling. Don't you worry, my friends. You need to get some proper hardcore Tyrolean yodelling in your ears. Definitely one for the young'uns. I'll be sending these to Michael and Sean. Don't you worry. No. I can hear Michael doing that. I don't know how I'm going to get him to make that noise, but leave it to me. I like it, Carl. I very much like that. So thank you very much, Carl, for those yodelling examples. If anyone else wants to send us any yodelling, then very much feel free. In Paul Temple, there's an expression that I've not heard before being said by one of the characters. And the expression is basket. Is oh, I don't like him. He's a real basket. And I don't know whether it's a phrase that people actually used or whether he's just, he can't say bastard on the radio, so he's changed it to basket. Oh, the little basket advised him against it. <laughs> the basket being Danny Clayton. Yeah, that's right. The little basket. But I don't know whether maybe that is an actual phrase. I love it, though. I'm going to call more people baskets. On the subject of yesterday's podcast, Martin has been on Twitter. Sorry, I meant to say Twitter, and I was going to say getting got in touch, and I wasn't sure which one to say, and I went for that for some reason instead. I have absolutely no idea what the hell just happened. That was a very strange noise. Sounded like I just started randomly beatboxing. Well, why not? I'll get back to what Martin was saying on Twitter very shortly, but first, a bit of spontaneous beatboxing. We've done yodelling, and now a bit of impromptu beatboxing for you. Right. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm counting myself in. I don't know why I'm counting myself in. There's only me here. I just press the button and begin. I'm, I'm missing being in a band. I'm just counting myself in. One, two, three, four. Oh? My goodness. 
That's not, that's not me beatboxing, by the way. That's the sound of the microphone. I think it's got a bit of spit in it from the beatboxing. I was like divine intervention there. I started beatboxing. I was triggering my weird sample from earlier when I was trying to say Twitter, and the microphone kicked in. My goodness. I mean, we've got all sorts of samples here from previous podcasts. You little basket. Timothy. An impromptu beatbox remix. Here we go, everyone. One, two, three, four. There we are. In 1996, Gina G released her hit single, Ooh Ah, Just a Little Bit. In 1997, she followed it up with Fresh. TMO. You and I Belong to You. And then things went quiet for Gina. In 2012, it was announced that Gina G was making a comeback and she would release a single, Set the Night on Fire. However, this is 2020. That single has never been released. If you Google it, you will see there are no leaked bootlegged recordings. There is no sign of where the song went or what happened. It just so happened that this podcast is listened to by someone who used to work in the studio where Gina G recorded Set the Night on Fire. The record label were angered by the direction that Gina G had taken with this song. The song, it was actually about setting ablaze a medieval king's horseman. Gina G managed to get through two minutes of the song before the producer, as instructed by the record label executive, pressed stop on the recording and the session was aborted. Gina G was evicted from the studio and since then, nothing has been heard in the public domain from Gina G. The producer and the record label executive, as they were marching Gina G out of the studio, shouted to the technician to delete the song. The studio technician was just about to press delete when an idea struck him. Maybe he could save the song. And so, hurriedly, nervously, he put a memory stick into the computer and before deleting, he sent it to his memory stick. He then deleted the song from the hard drive and as far as the record label owner and the producer and anyone else was aware, the song was obliterated from existence. This technician contacted me and asked whether we would like to be sent this never-heard-before Gina G recording. And now, my friends, today, on The Eagle is Stranded, it's time to play that song. And very quickly before we play it, there's a very odd moment when I was listening to it. At one point she says about the night yodelling, and then there's a yodelling solo. And I just thought, what a coincidence. You just couldn't make it up. You know, we were talking about yodelling on the podcast, and there, in the song, is a flailing yodelling solo. And it's a wonderful yodelling solo. I don't I don't know who she got to yodel it, but I'm glad that the plug wasn't pulled on the recording before the yodeler got a chance to do his thing, because it's a fantastic yodeling solo, so listen out for that. This is Set the Night on Fire by Gina G.
tell you of my strange compulsion that will fill you with revulsion, but it's just who I am. I love setting people ablaze, just peasants in the early days, but now I've got a bigger plan. I saw him riding on his horse, jousting in the square, a medieval knight so regal I knew then and there. And since that day I've planned and schemed and never did I tire, and now the time has finally come to set the night on fire. goodness and unfortunately that is where the song ends that moment the producer pressed stop on the recording gina g was marched out of the studio never to release anything in the public domain disappeared from social media and the technician was ordered to delete the recording except he rebelled the folk singers james fagan and nancy kerr have two children harry and hamish i was sent a recording by harry and hamish harry is eight hamish ten but they were seemingly inspired by my pigeon podcast i talked on a previous episode of the eagle is stranded i wondered whether a pigeon could change the way that it cooed depending on how it was feeling so i did an impression of how a pigeon might coo if it was angry is it able to change the intonation and inflection of that sequence in order to express emotion and i did on the podcast an impression of an angry pigeon and a sarcastic pigeon to do some pigeon emulation of their own I particularly enjoy the death metal pigeon. How about we could have a whole death metal farm? Could it be a battle to see which animal is the most suited to death metal? Maybe they could be auditioning, perhaps, to be on death metal farm. So you'd have all sorts of creatures turn up. Maybe it could be a new pitch for a reality TV show. Farmers try to teach their animals how to become death metal singers. Well, I have quite the remarkable coincidence to report, my friends. I was saying maybe there could be a reality TV show where farmers train their live 
talk to be death metal singers. Their animals have to perform to a death metal track, and then the judges decide who goes through and who doesn't go through. Well, it turns out that such a show is going to exist. It's in the planning stage. And they said, this is such a coincidence. It feels like divine intervention, the TV production company said. And so we would like you to get exclusive access to this reality TV show. The reality TV show is called Stable of Filth. What I've got access to right now is some audition tapes. They've also sent me the theme music as well, which is very exciting. This will become like a trademark sound in your house. You know, Saturday night viewing. Everyone will know this. But right now, you were the first people to hear this. This is the Stable of Filth theme music. Very catchy. You can imagine people humming that, can't you, at the water coolers. Did you see Stable of Filth last night? Did I see Stable? Of course I did. Of course I did, mate. What do you think of Daisy the Cow? You know, that's what people will be saying. Anyway, I have here some audition tapes. Hello there, Farmer Jack here from Devon. I'd like to introduce you to my sheep, who goes by the name Sally, but her death metal pseudonym is You Bastard. That's her death metal name, you bastard. And she's going to be singing along, doing her thing to a bit of Ramstein. I thought that was quite appropriate. Ram, you see, Ramstein. All right, Sally, are you ready? All right, take it away, my love. One, two, three, four. Good girl, Sally. Good girl. Hello, Farmer Peter here from uh, Yorkshire. I'd like to introduce you to my cow, Daisy. But when it comes to death metal, we go by the name Utter Destruction. All right, are we ready, Daisy? Come on, we can do this. Right, here we go. I'll count you in. One, two, three, four. my girl. Thank you very much for listening. Fingers crossed, eh? Hope to hear you back from your judges. Thank you very much. Hello, this is Farmer Doogie from Scotland. As soon as I heard about this competition, immediately I thought I've got to submit my duck. Michael! When it comes to death metal, we don't go by the name Michael. We go by the name Quack Attack. (laughs) And we're going to perform to System of a Down. You see what we've done there? System of a Down. Because of the duck down. So, a little pun. I heard you get extra marks if you can come up with a pun. Are you ready, Michael? All right, do you want me to count you in? All right, then. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Michael, I'll give you an extra slice of bread for that. You've done me proud. And I'm hoping to hear back from you, judges. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wait, hello. My name is Farmer Gwillem from Wales. <laughs> now, I've actually been training for this moment for quite some time because my horse loves death metal. Can't get enough of it. I'm a metal fan myself, and I listen to a lot of metal when I'm on the tractor. I used to listen to classical music, but you couldn't really hear the quiet bits over the tractor engine. But metal really goes well. Anyway, my horse seemingly also took a bit of a liking to the genre. And the next thing I know, it's neighing along. And then it begins to clip-clop to the rhythm. 
And so I'd, I'd make a point of going into the stable and spending an hour a day playing death metal records to my horse, and it would join in. My horse is called Betty. Why, but you can't have that in the death metal world. So we go by the name Acropolypse. Okay, Betty, are you ready? And we're going to perform, quite fittingly, to a little bit of napalm death. You see what I've done there? I hope I get those extra marks for the pun there. Right, here we go. Sorry, Betty, you were ready there and I said a little bit more. That's right, you can do this, Betty. You've been gearing up to this moment all your life. Right, I'll count you in, Betty. One, two, three, four. That's my girl. Well done, Betty. Well done. Well, there you go, judges. Oh, what do you think of that? Thank you. Paul Temple. Crawford Logan, who plays Paul Temple, quite a heavy breather. Because there's a lot of heavy breathing, it makes it sound a little bit pornographic at times. And uh, there was one particular incident recently which should not have sounded pornographic, but it did. And uh, we're going to bring it to you right now. This is our first installment of Paul Temple. Steve! I can't hold it! Paul, I can't hold it! <laughs> Steve! Quickly, darling! That's it! That's it, Steve! Now, hold on! Hold on! That's it! Good now, Steve! Hold on to me! Darling! Oh, we made it, darling! Do you think you're ready to make a move, Steve? Yes. Uh, yes, we must have been lying here for about half an hour. Yes. Oh, darling. They're in their car, and someone else is in the car behind, and it's a very narrow road, and there's a bridge coming up, and someone is trying to force them off the bridge, and they succeed. And that is Paul and Steve hurtling over a bridge, having to escape their car, and swimming for safety. But it just sounds like very niche experimental porn almost, doesn't it? You know? I mean, I'm assuming that no one is getting aroused by this. It was more meant to be comical than anything else, but you never know. Something popped up on my YouTube, which was music created by artificial intelligence. So they'd taken an artist and they'd basically fed in all the music and then the algorithm separated all of the individual component parts of the song. So it would try and isolate the vocals, isolate the drums and the bass. And then it would use that and it would study the songs and it would then jumble up all of the lyrics and it would create an entirely new song. Look at what would make sense lyrically, put it all together and it would just piece together an entirely different song from these vocal phrases, these words. The one that I heard which I will play a little bit of, an artificially intelligent version of Frank Sinatra. It's a song called Hot Tub Christmas. It's Christmas time, and you know what that means. It's hot tub time. Some people like to go skiing in the snow, but this is much better than that. So grab your bathrobe and meet me by the door. Oh, it's hot tub time. Some people like to go skiing in the snow. But this this is much better than that So grab your bathrobe and meet me by the door Oh, it's hot 
I was contacted by a professor, a professor of robotics, who's a big fan of the podcast and is disappointed in the fact that it's ending. And this seemingly has given him an idea. All the way from New York, professor of robotics, Professor Everett. Are you there? Hey, David. Hello there. Great to hear from you. So tell tell the listeners who you are and what you're here for. I'm a professor of robotics and algorithmic technology working with artificial intelligence. And I'm a big fan of the David Eagle podcast. Really enjoyed The Eagle is Stranded over the lockdown period. When I heard you talk about the artificial intelligence created songs, the gem of an idea began to form. I have developed the prototype machine that is designed to generate a whole new episode of The Eagle is Stranded. My goodness. So, so how have you done this? We input into the machine every single episode of The Eagle is Stranded. And from that, it can then start to generate an entirely new episode of The Eagle is Stranded. Do we get to hear one? Indeed we do, David. And I've not switched this on yet. This literally finished processing about 30 minutes ago. So I hope it's going to work. Let's give it a go. Okay, here goes. Just firing it up now. Oh my gosh, right, that's right. Oh yes, the lights are flashing. The cogs are turning. The wheels are in motion. It sounds like a very elaborate machine. Oh, it is, David. It's ready. It's ready to generate. Here we go. Well, this is a very exciting episode of The Eagle is Stranded today. Very exciting indeed, because... Well, you join me right now and my fiancé having sex in public places. Fully naked. Many people have been waiting for that moment. Wonderful. So I'm going to enjoy this. Who knows where we'll be and what we'll be doing. Who knows with what, what with, and with whom. I can't remember what we put in and what we don't put in, to be honest. You've had everything in this. Now, forgive me, there's some crude language coming up, and I should remember to stand close to Ellie. Okay, Ellie? Yes. Sausage! Quite a big, chunky one, about the size of my thumb. There will be photographs on Instagram. I'll give it to you straight. I'm Um, going to use this rubber from my pocket. Stay safe. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Good start here. Nice pace. Yes, we could do a sort of Paul Temple style. Oh, the horse is very excited about that. Look, I'm always about experimenting. I'm always about pushing the boundaries. I'm always about trying new ideas. I'm leaning forwards. I've learned now to dig deeper. Oh, very good, Ellie. You're improving. I'm not sure about me. I'm banging on railings with my cane. I think I'm doing a pretty good job, to be honest. I didn't think I had it in me. That's not the sound of Ellie hiccuping. This is the sound of a chicken. Horny pigeon. I feel quite uncomfortable with you doing a pigeon right in my face. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Just been hit by a bush. I'm just slowing down the pace slightly. Just trying to keep momentum going. I think we've come. I mean, the timing couldn't be worse. I'm shocked and disappointed. I've got nothing to give. Oh dear. Many people would say, you've given us enough already, David. <laughs> That surely should be enough. I will destroy. I will destroy. I will destroy. Well, there you go, David. What do you think? What do I think? What have you created? It was rather raunchy. And that last bit, what the hell was that? The last bit? Sorry, what do you mean? 
I will destroy you. I think it's a little, maybe a little joke. I mean, I'm not sure about this, Professor. I mean, it's an interesting experiment, but I couldn't be having a machine like this releasing podcasts on my behalf. I mean, I mean, that's disgusting, some of the content there. As I say, it's, it's just a prototype, you know. You know, I mean, it'll take a few months, but eventually I'll get this off the ground and I'll be able to start generating podcasts, you know. Hang on a minute. You mean generating podcasts? Well, I mean, if you're going to stop doing this on a regular basis, I, I need my fix, my friend, or therefore the machine will do it for me and I know there's plenty of other people who'd want to hear David Eagle content. If you're not willing to do it, then I, in conjunction with this machine, am fully ready to step in. I can't let you do that. I don't see how you can stop me. You created a sex-obsessed monster with a craving for destruction with my voice. I think I have every right to intervene, my friend, and tell you to pull the plug. I'm sorry, David, but I will not. And if you dare stand in our way, then things are going to get nasty. Hang on a second. What do you mean? You heard the machine. I will destroy. I will destroy. You see, but you said that was just a quirk of the machine. I mean, a, a, a joke. Oh, I don't think it was a joke. I think it knew that you would want to stand in our way. Let this be a warning to you. The David Eagle podcast is mine now. I'm developing it more and more. Every day it gets more powerful. I've taught it to yodel. I can make it fart. It can pun. Just think of the money I can make. Well, surely this is my voice. I have ownership. You have nothing. There's no more need for you, David. You've been usurped. My robot has taken over. (laughs) (laughs) Professor, professor, please. Professor, this is a bleak day for me. And a very bleak day for you, I'm sure, my friends, as we bid you farewell. However, I will be back at some point. I think we're going to do a weekly podcast very soon. But I've got various other projects I just want to get on with for a while. But of course, we will be back very soon. But until then, stay safe, my friends. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Oh